The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. One of the unique challenges of parenthood is getting to know your baby better. They all have their own different temperaments and personalities, but they also have their own unique sleep needs. And it's really important, I think, that parents understand this because we are bamboozled with so much conflicting advice online. Um, Social media would have you believe that all babies of a particular age should have the exact same sleep schedule. And we know that this isn't true. So in this week's episode, we're going to unpack that a little bit so you can learn more about how to identify your baby's unique sleep needs and how to to really carefully cater to those needs. I'm your host, Dr. Fallon Cook, and I'm here with my lovely friend and colleague, Dr. (laughs) Laura Conway. Hello, everyone. Nice to be back. It really is, isn't it? Um, So, you know, unique sleep needs, Laura, we talk about this all the time in the clinic, um, and there's a really strong focus on this in our Sombell programs as well, because we find... Well, I find it's really super important. I think it's one of those things that's often missed. Um, we see a lot of families who say, I've I've tried this person, that person, this sleep school, that other thing, done yep. this program, all of these things, nothing's worked. And then we take a look at that sleep diary and what do you know, <laughs> there's a yep. sleep, you know, timing type problem in there that hasn't been addressed. Um, and low sleep needs as well. Some babies have a really low requirement for sleep in comparison to other babies. Um, yeah. Do you see that a lot, Laura? Is that something you're often having to work through with families? Yeah, absolutely. Um, My uh, clinic hours are full of families with babies and toddlers who's um, uh, are not having the what parents think is the right amount of sleep for their age, and so they often come into the clinic, sit down on the sofa, and say, "Ah." What can I do? How can I help my baby or toddler get more sleep? Um, Mm. They're just not getting enough sleep. Um, The other babies in the parents group I'm part of are sleeping for two or three hours every day. uh, And my baby isn't doing that. I think there's something wrong. Um, Help make my baby or toddler sleep more. Mm. And that's often the starting point. And um, then what we yeah like you're saying we look at the sleep diary together and look at what the sleep is that the the child is actually getting right now and yeah you're right there all these parents are right they are not getting as much sleep as other babies their age but they are fine they're happy they're growing they're meeting their milestones they're having short naps and then they're just raring to carry on with the rest of their day Um, they've got a late bedtime and they wake up early in the morning but they are happy bright cheerful thriving that's it it's so important to look at the baby and actually how how is the baby um and be led by that because some babies you know want to prioritize having 
you know, rich and stimulating interactions with their parents or other babies. Um, you know, they've got learning to do, they've got games to play mm-hmm. and, you know, sleeping is boring and it's just not yeah. their priority. Often they are the really active, high energy babies as well. Um, and yeah. that's fine. You know, some babies have a priority to really get more interaction and stimulation. And it's really important that they get that um, if that's what they're needing. So, um, mm. look, we got an email um, only yesterday and I thought, gosh, that is such a good topic for an entire podcast. So um, someone called Laura emailed us um, to ask about her 10-month-old baby's low sleep needs. She says that her daughter is averaging about 10 to 10 and a half hours of sleep per 24 hours, which is definitely on the lower side. But she says her daughter's often cranky and tired. So it sounds like there's something potentially stopping her baby from achieving enough sleep per 24 hours um, if she is quite cranky. Um, Laura was worried that in the Sombal programs, our example daily rhythm suggests a later bedtime of around 8 p.m. for babies that have a lower sleep need. It's just a guide, though. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was saying her daughter is absolutely exhausted by 6.30 p.m. And so she Mm -hmm. wondered what sort of advice we have. Um, I thought, Laura, we could start by really explaining, um, you know, the the idea of low sleep needs and what that, that really means. Mm-hmm. And you have a really fantastic analogy that I I love. So please take it away. <laughs> Explain yeah. it to us. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to um, for us to consider 24-hour sleep needs in the same way you would consider height and weight in babies. Um, and by that, um, I mean that in the same way that there are, there's a wide range of normal height and weight for, let's say, in Laura's case, a 10-month-old baby. Um, there would be the average height and weight for a 10-month-old, but there are going to be littler babies and there are going to be bigger babies um, that fall above and below the average. It's the same for sleep. Um, so there are going to be some babies that have a lower sleep need than others and some that have a higher sleep need than others. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the baby, just in the same way as if your baby is on the smaller size, as long as they are growing well and they're um, on a trajectory of gaining weight and um, and adding a few millimeters <laughs> every, um, you know, in an appropriate um, rate of growth, um, mm. that's okay. It's not anything to worry about. Um, now, what I will, um, will often uh, explain to parents in the clinic is that if you do have a baby that is small for their age, but is otherwise absolutely fine, growing well and functioning well, so there isn't anything medically wrong causing your child or your baby to be small for age, um, you wouldn't think, uh, well, my baby's 10 months old and they should be in clothes for a 10-month-old baby, and therefore I'm going to put them in the clothes for a 10-month-old baby, even though those clothes are too big, in the hope that that's going to make them grow. Mm. Um, and you, so when you have a low sleep needs baby, if they only need to have a um, 10, 11 or 12 hour sleep, amount of sleep per 24 hours, if you try and fit them into a schedule, which is for a baby that has much higher sleep needs, it doesn't mean that they are going to sleep for that time. Yeah. They're not going to grow into that sleep in the same way they're not going to grow into, well, they will eventually grow into those clothes. But, uh, you know, Laura's baby at 10 month old, if her baby is small for the age, you know, her baby might be in clothes for a 10 month old baby when her baby is actually 12 months old. And that's okay. 
Yeah, and I love that analogy because, you know, when I've you know, had a bit of a look at a lot of the advice that's out there around sleep and how much sleep should my baby be getting – and when we look at those age-based daily schedules, um, which we never, never suggest that you do, <laughs> um, but often they are, you know, aiming for huge amounts of sleep. Like it could be 15 or even 16 hours of sleep per 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of babies that that absolutely will not work out for, no matter the age. Even a lot of newborns can't sleep that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we you know, find is that parents who try to follow those schedules are like, okay, we've got to have this number of naps. They've got to sleep for this certain amount of time. Their babies just can't achieve it. And then what happens Mm. is you've got a baby who's furious and crying and upset at bedtime. Um, So settling is really challenging because they're actually Mm -hmm. just not tired enough for all of that sleep. And then you have parents who are incredibly stressed out, um, whose mental health is sometimes shot to pieces because Mm -hmm. they feel like they're failing. I can't follow, you know, this age-based schedule. I'm not getting my baby enough sleep. You know, this is terrible. So we have these really stressed out families coming into clinic um, who, you know, like you say, it's almost like they're trying to put on clothing that's too big, (laughs) you know, and it's just, it's not going to fit and you can put them in the next size up, but it's not going to make them grow. And that's what it's like with sleep. Like if we look at what the individual baby's unique sleep needs are and then work out a bit of a daily rhythm around that's based on that amount of sleep they're getting, then when you go to settle them, they're tired enough for sleep and they're ready for it. And it just means settling's easier, parents often feeling a whole lot happier. (laughs) Um, Yes. It often opens the door too for working on any settling difficulties that you're having. So if your baby's needing a ridiculous amount of hands-on support just to fall asleep, Um, if they're truly ready for sleep when you put them down, they're much more likely to respond well to Mm. whatever approach you might be um, trying to improve their settling. Whereas, yeah, if they're not tired enough and they have what we call low sleep pressure, they can really, really push back for for hours. Or, you know, the flip side of that um, is a sad one, and that is they might eventually start to kind of, parents think they're, they're starting to fit into this really huge, you know, um, a schedule based on a huge sleep requirement. But in actual fact, that baby is just learning to be quiet and to not, mm. um, you know, to just lie there and wait because they've learned that, um, you know, when I'm put down for a two hour nap, even if I don't need two hours, I'm going to have to lay here that long. So instead of getting the playtime and the rich interactions mm. that is so crucial for their well being. They're instead lying there, um, just waiting, and I don't think any parent wants that either. No, um, no, I, I, I agree. Um, and you know, we then what we start to see Fallon is temperament coming into play. So the more placid babies, the calmer babies, um, are the ones who are just going to lie there mm. um, quietly, um, and they'll perhaps be awake for an hour or so in their cot bored um but their placid nature means that um it doesn't um you know we don't see them becoming heightened and upset about it Mm. but if you have a child who's more reactive um and um who is really sensitive to what's going on in their environment if you leave that baby in their cot and you try and leave them (laughs) for an extra hour to rest when they don't Mm. when they're not sleeping they can really go full bore, ballistic, screaming, yes. crying. 
because um, they're trying to communicate that they don't want to be in there. Yeah. Um, and then you've got a poor parent who's feeling that they're doing something wrong, that their child should be sleeping more. They're getting more and more upset and distressed by their mm. child's distress and they can be interpreting their child's distress as the child can't go to sleep and needs to sleep. Yes, um, yeah, they're crying, so they must be tired when in actual yeah. fact they don't have the sleep pressure or perhaps the sleep hormone levels that they need to actually mm. have that sleep. Um, yeah, it's not fun for anyone. No. It's really, really challenging. Um, no. One of the other reasons we really look closely at what those total sleep needs are, so we suggest that to get a handle on how much sleep your baby needs. Um, I have to excuse the background noise. <laughs> the loudest truck has just gone past. Oh, I can't hear it. <laughs> oh, good. Hopefully our <laughs> listeners can't either. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons we, we say, you know, track your baby's sleep in one of our sleep diaries for a week or two to get a sense of how much sleep they're averaging is because, you know, that average sleep duration is going to be pretty close to what their true sleep needs are. Um, but it's so that, you know, if you like in, in Laura's case where she's worked out, you know, maybe around 10, 10 and a half hours is what her baby's averaging. Um, that sort of helps you to build out that daily rhythm because, well, let's just take the example of, um, Maybe we'll take an example that we would often see in clinics. So often mm -hmm. we see babies that average about 12 hours of sleep. Seems to be pretty common, mm -hmm. slightly towards the lower um, end, kind of dependent on the baby's age. If that baby has, say, two hours total day sleep, mm -hmm. um, maybe they're having a couple of naps an hour long each, then you kind of know they're going to need about 10 hours of sleep overnight. Mm -hmm. um, so if you were, say, putting them down at 6.30 p.m. for their nighttime sleep, if they are able to sleep in one huge, long 10-hour stretch, so to get their extra, mm -hmm. their 10 hours overnight, they just do it in one big, long block, then they'd be waking mm -hmm. up at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> refreshed mm -hmm. and ready to start the day, which no one wants. I mean, I, some parents don't no. mind an early wake up, but 4.30 is just never, never okay. Um, so often what will happen is instead of them sleeping in a 10-hour block, waking up at 4.30, you know, ready to go, and babies will split that 10 hours right across the night. So they might mm. um, just have really fragmented sleep where they just wake constantly all night or some of them will have what we call biphasic nights. So they might sleep for five hours, be wide awake for two hours and then go back to sleep for you know, another five hours or so. Um, mm. Both of those scenarios, well, none of those scenarios really are, are great. <laughs> They're not great. No. Um, no, or they might do, mm. Fallon, that what we, uh, what I often see as well is that they may take about two hours to actually go off to have their longer stretch of sleep. So, mm. you know, they'd be putting them down at about 6, 6.30, and then it's just up, down, up, down, lots and lots of what are colloquially known as false starts. Um, yeah. And false start, false start, false start across the first hour or two. Then they might have a stretch of sleep. Um, for maybe three hours, you know, parents will often say, oh, the longest she's ever done is about three hours. And we thought she mm. had died <laughs> because she's never, <laughs> she'd never been asleep for that length of time. But, you know, you'd, you might see two or three hours stretch and then the wakes happen all over again. And then the nighttime yeah. can bleed into the morning because the yes. child's woken up really early from four, four thirty. And then it's just up, down, up, down, up, down. Until and so often that's when co-sleeping will kick off because parents just can't be getting up and down that often either. Um, no. But, yeah, so what we generally see is that early bedtimes around that 6, 6.30 p.m. mark rarely work well for low-sleep needs babies. So mm -hmm. even though with, in Laura's case she's saying by 6.30 p.m. her daughter's exhausted, 
Um, what it might be is that over time, it doesn't mean you have to suddenly move to an 8 p.m. bedtime. Um, it might be mm. that you slowly shuffle things along, knowing that, you know, and we'll talk more about whether she's meeting her unique sleep needs um, as it is, but... Um, even if she does need slightly more sleep, she's not going to be a baby that has a huge requirement for sleep. Um, no. It's only the babies who do have that you know, 14, 15 hour sleep requirement who might be able to have an early bedtime of 6.30 p.m. So when sleep yeah. needs are low, um, often bedtime does have to be a little bit later in order to get those nights um, you know, a little bit more consistent and mm. less broken. Um, yeah. But, you know, we know it's really hard. I think a lot of parents, I get a few teary parents in clinic who um, their babies are perfectly happy, developing beautifully, like everything's just wonderful with them, but they have this really low sleep need and it can feel really disheartening to be told that because we all want to have a baby who'll sleep 12 hours overnight and then have a few day naps and, Mm -hmm. you know, some babies just can't manage that though and a lot of our work goes into working out, well, how do we best work out a daily rhythm that you can manage and that is tolerable Mm -hmm. Um, and usually it can be done. Um, yeah. It just yeah, takes a bit of can. tinkering, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, is that enough sleep, particularly for Laura's baby, she's saying um, her baby's often cranky and tired, you know, it's averaging 10 to 10 and a half hours of sleep. I agree with Laura in that if they're often cranky and tired, um, they're probably not meeting their sleep needs. But in that case, we really want to say, well, why? Because I've never Mm -hmm. met a parent who doesn't offer their baby enough opportunity to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, If babies need more sleep, they generally take it. Um, What are some of the key factors you'd be thinking about checking for that baby, Laura? Um, I'd be thinking um, whether there are any, there might be any physiological factors um, such as um, is Laura's baby snoring? Um, Are they mouth breathing? Are they restless during sleep? Um, Because all of those factors can suggest that um, there may be sleep disordered breathing that would be impacting the quality of sleep that Laura's baby is having overnight um, and that would need investigation by a sleep and respiratory physician or um, an ear nose and throat specialist Um, and for that it's certainly in Australia you would need to go to your GP to get a referral um, to go to um, one of those um, specialist medical doctors to rule out sleep disordered breathing and if it is there um, to um, have the appropriate treatment. the other things to consider would be whether there's um, any sleep association that might be causing frequent wakes. Um, so how is Laura's baby going to sleep? Um, is Laura's baby needing a lot of support in order to go off to sleep? And often we do see babies with lower sleep needs developing really strong sleep associations that are dependent on their parent because Mm. their parents are trying to put their baby down before they're quite ready to go to sleep due to all of the misinformation that's out there you know and it's not we're never criticizing parents for their commitment to helping their baby achieve all of the sleep that they need Um, Mm. but often when you do have a lower sleep needs um, baby and you are trying to fit them into um, a higher sleep needs baby routine um, you can end up having to rock feed bounce (laughs) pace around co-sleep all of these things to help your baby go off to sleep when their sleep pressure is not quite high enough and that can mean that overnight they wake up more frequently because each time they come up into their lighter phases of sleep 
um, and they see that their sleep association isn't present anymore, they find it very hard to link their next sleep cycle um, Mm. or go into their next sleep cycle before that sleep association is back again. And what that can cause um, is um, daytime tiredness because if your baby is unable to link their sleep cycles independently overnight, um, you know, frequently waking up and needing you to do something to help them go back to sleep, that is sleep fragmentation. Yeah, and then not absolutely. getting the long stretches of sleep that they need. Yes, and I think mm. the easiest way to explain that is just thinking about your own sleep. Um, you know, we all, and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, babies can't sleep all night and toddlers can't sleep all night. It's natural to, um, you know, to wake up multiple times overnight. And it is, and adults do that as well. Um, but we can really, really quickly get ourselves into the next sleep cycle. Um, and that's what makes a difference. So if you have a pretty good night's sleep, you've still woken five or six times, but you put yourself back to sleep so quickly that you feel great. You know, you've had a full night of sleep, but if every time, um, well, I use this example all the time, but if every time you came up into light sleep, your pillow was yoinked out from under your head. Well, that'd be very you know, annoying. You'd, you'd wake up and be like, "Where did my pillow go? Who the heck is yeah. doing Who this to it? me?" Yeah. I'd exactly. be having a word. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so if you are really woken up um, and you you know have to replace your sleep association, which is your pillow, um, you're going to feel like hell the next day. You're going to feel yes. absolutely dreadful. So it's about making sure those wake ups aren't too long and don't require a whole lot of things to happen that sort of further mm-hmm. drag babies out of sleep. Um, so yeah, if they're waking up a lot overnight, they're going to feel exactly how you feel when you're woken up a lot overnight. Mm-hmm which is pretty terrible. And of course, that's not ideal when babies have so much to learn and, you know, they're forming new relationships, they're learning language. There's just so much going on. We want them to be well rested and in a good position um, to engage fully um, with the world around them. Um, so definitely, um, you know, if, if you're finding you're having to go to your baby all the time overnight to give them something to get them back to sleep, that would be another thing to work on that could improve daytime mood. Because when that overnight mm. sleep improves, um, daytime mood improves. And I think that's worth discussing too, is that a mm. lot of parents with a low sleep need baby who um, is waking a lot and having all sorts of sleep difficulties, they'll say, oh, I can't possibly reduce the day naps or I can't possibly push bedtime later because they're exhausted. And what I want parents to think about is they're exhausted because they're waking up all night. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. if you start to take action that helps to improve their nighttime sleep, well, they're going to wake up more refreshed. They're not going mm-hmm. to need as much daytime sleep and they're going to make it through to bedtime a bit more easily. But you have to give that little push to make it happen mm-hmm. because for some babies, if we don't try and give them a little nudge into you know a better routine that suits their needs, they'll just you know nap here and there and all over the place and it just you know, could take years to come together. So it's totally fine to mm-hmm. be looking at those sleep needs, come up with a bit of a daily rhythm you want to work towards um, and keep working towards it. And, you know, it's, it's so similar to jet lag, isn't it? If you fly in mm. from from somewhere, you know, somewhere lovely, <laughs> um, you, you don't let your child sleep all day long. Um, you know you've got to try and keep them awake and get them into that, you know, typical kind of daily rhythm. And it doesn't hurt them. Um, they typically adjust no. in a week or so. So I think it's okay to be brave and just say, right, we're going to um, to push ahead with a new um, 
schedule or just your new daily mm. rhythm. Um, yeah. So in the case of, of Laura and her baby, I would say, Laura, if you feel like, um, you know, 10, 10 and a half hours is not enough, you might want to build out a schedule based around 11 hours or 12 hours even, just as a starting point. And you might know, okay, this is probably going to be more sleep than my baby needs, but it is going to move your baby in the right direction. It's going to help build up that sleep drive at nighttime. Um, It's going to mean that, you know, often low sleep needs babies, if they're having some big long naps in the daytime, their nighttime sleep just won't improve. So as you Mm -hmm. start to kind of, you know, you can work through our chapter on unique sleep needs as well. Um, if you did start to work towards, you know, 11 or 12 hour daily rhythm, you're going to be making steps in the right direction. Um, yeah. And mm. I, I would add to that for um, Laura's case where she's saying that her baby is exhausted by 6.30 p.m. Um, I would be guessing because we haven't got Laura's baby's sleep diary in front of us. So we, we're not entirely sure about the detail of um, her sleep, but let's assume that she's on two naps a day at 10 months old. Um, If Laura, you're um, experiencing or your baby's experiencing real extreme tiredness by 6.30 and it's gonna be very hard to get that later to that later bedtime, um, remember that you can use what we call power naps um, later on in the afternoon um, to help your baby get towards that later bedtime. Uh, and how a power nap works is that we, when you work out that um, schedule based on, let's say you go for 11 hours or 11 and a half hours, so you're giving your baby an extra hour than they're currently getting, um, you might say, right, we're, I'm going to allocate um, her two naps during the day, perhaps for Um, you know they might be 45 minutes each um, so totaling an hour and a half Um, and your aim for maybe a 7 30 bedtime might be as as late as you can get initially Um, and then you think oh she's woken up from her second nap and it's only one o'clock there's no way she's going to last until Mm. the 7 30 bedtime Um, having this power nap up your sleeve can be reassuring for the whole family. So the power nap is just a, not an entire sleep cycle. So maybe around 20 minutes um, later on in the day, often it can, uh, it works best if it's in the pram and it's a nap on the go. Um, And it just bridges the time between the end of the last proper nap and bedtime. And it can be, I sometimes refer to it as your get out of jail free card. Um, Mm. And it just takes the edge off that real cranky um, behavior that we can see, um, particularly in that later afternoon um, when we're helping babies move into a new schedule. And you will probably find, Laura, that um, your baby might need that power nap only once or twice in the first week that you are putting that new schedule into place then she might actually surprise you and not need it at all but it's just nice I think to have that up your sleeve that you know mm. that that is a way that you can get towards that later bedtime um, and what will then be happening at the same time is that your baby will start to have longer stretches of sleep overnight so we'll be able to manage the longer periods of time awake during the day uh, and her need for that power nap will then just fall away because she's getting better quality sleep at night. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important if there 
if your baby is waking up because they're wanting something from you, you know, during the night time, they've got some sort of unhelpful sleep association that you're trying to reduce, um, work on it in those first few days as you're changing their schedule because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're going to have higher sleep pressure with that slightly later bedtime. You're going to have more success settling them in the cot if that's something you are working towards. Um, and that's going to improve their nighttime sleep. But as that nighttime sleep gets better and better, like you said, Laura, they just they cope better during the day. They need less day sleep and they really start to form a lovely predictable rhythm, you know, day to day. It also Mm. is really important too, though, if you, you know, make some schedule changes, we we often say, you know, make the schedule sort of based around um, that total amount of sleep they're averaging, you know, work on cot settling or bed settling or, you know, whatever other settling approaches you need to. And then if you've had a week or two of really good sleep and it's really come together well, really consistently, you can always add a little bit more sleep back into their schedule and just see how they go. And, you know, Mm. if you make one of those day naps a little bit longer and then you find their nights fall to pieces, well, then you know. You know that that's the thing you need to change back. Just make one little change at a time for maybe a week and see Mm -hmm. if their sleep hangs together nicely and continues going well. And that will ensure that you are making sure they're getting as much sleep as they need, but you're not doing it in a way that's going to compromise the quality of that nighttime sleep. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think that's really key, mm -hmm. Fallon, isn't it? That, And we certainly... um, work on this with the families that we see in clinic is um, we create the um, daily rhythm based on how much sleep they are currently getting, um, you know, plus a little bit extra if they seem tired and grumpy like Laura's baby does. Um, then we say, All right, work on that timing and any other associated um, intervention to help with cot settling or stalling behaviours or whatever it is that the baby or toddler is doing um, for um, at least a week to give the baby or toddler a chance for their circad- to adapt to the new circadian rhythm. Um, and then we can take our foot off the brake a little bit and we say, okay, now things are going so much better let's make sure that they're getting all of the sleep that they need. So what Laura might find in this instance is after a week of doing the um, the new schedule, and let's say she bases it on an 11 and a half hour sleep need uh, and working on cot settling if she needs to do it, if her baby is still seeming quite tired and cranky during the day, after a week or two of that new schedule, Um, then take the foot off the brake a little bit, give her a bit more daytime sleep or give her a little bit more nighttime sleep. Now with a lower sleep needs child, it's important to be conservative about the increments that you increase sleep by um, because if your child only has a 10 hour sleep need and you suddenly give them an extra hour overnight, that hour is a lot relative to their total amount of sleep compared to a child who's got a 14 hour sleep need. Uh, an hour isn't such a big um, chunk Um, so you might be considering um, just moving bedtime by 15 minutes for example um, 15 minutes earlier for um, a few um, days to see if your baby can maintain her sleep until morning if she can then you might move it another 15 minutes for another few days to see if she can continue to maintain her sleep until morning Um, and you keep going until she starts to wake up again And then you go, oh, right, (laughs) now we know she's getting the amount that she needs. We're just going to move it back a little bit um, to where it was when she last maintained her sleep all night. Does that make sense, Fallon? Have I just muddied the water? No, no, no. I think I think that's really good. I think it's it's so hard for parents with low sleep needs babies because 
there's always going to be much like any baby their total sleep needs are often gradually declining over time some low sleep needs babies excuse me start with a low sleep need and it just stays low Um, but for a lot of them you know it's changing all the time and so being a little bit flexible kind of having a bit of a sense of what you're going to change and changing that consistently for a week or two is just a really good skill to have because then when suddenly you're like oh they don't want that nap anymore you kind of know how to look at their sleep needs um, come up with a bit of a schedule test it out and you know figure out what it is you're going to need to change to keep Mm. sleep on track um, and so, yeah. yeah, there's lots, I think, yeah, especially for the Sonbell members, that chapter on unique sleep needs and the information around napping um, and working out a good daily rhythm that works for your child. You can come back to that time and time again. That's yeah. really what we made it for, for parents to be able to come back to it and go, oh, gosh, yeah, something's, something's off with the day nap. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. They can go back yeah. in there um, and get that advice to get back on track. Um, excellent. Yeah. We had a few other questions come through. Um, I think they're mostly fairly short ones, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Jess asks, for from um, day to day, her baby's naps can vary in length quite a lot. Sometimes they're just one sleep cycle, which is about 45 minutes. Um, other times she will sleep for 90 minutes. Um, and it's usually not at the same time of day either. So she was just curious, why does this happen? Why would it be? Yeah, great question, Jess. Um, I'd be looking to see how your baby is sleeping at night. If your baby is sleeping well at night, I wouldn't be worrying too much about variability in duration of day naps. It's really not something to uh, worry about. If she has two short naps or she has one longer nap and one shorter nap, that's totally fine. Um, Just as Mm. long as she's sleeping well at night. Yeah, there can be so much variability. Um, Totally normal. Um, Kat Mm. asks, I'm interested to hear your advice on weaning toddlers off their bottle at night. My 17-month-old still wakes once a night for a bottle and gets very upset if it's not offered. We are working on gradually reducing the amount of milk offered, but I'm not sure how it's going to go when we don't offer it anymore. Oh, it's hard. Mm. It's really hard, isn't it? It They really know what they want. Kat, you're doing the perfect thing reducing the amount in that bottle because your toddler's getting used to falling back asleep with a slightly less full tummy and that will be part of the the thing that he's looking for is that nice, comfortable, full feeling. So you're gradually reducing that for him. Um, There will come a time when it's just not offered anymore and it's, it's just hard. But what I will tell you is this typically two nights without that bottle and they forget about it and I see that so consistently it's bizarre <laughs> I don't know if you do too Laura yes but two nights with no night feeds and they're like fine they just sleep through so yeah just know that you might have two really challenging settles and then it will be just done and dusted so give him lots of support lots of comfort um, and hopefully you'll get through that nice and quick um, good yes. luck. <laughs> um, Tracy says, um, Tracy has a, a three and a half year old who she's helping get used to sleeping all night in his own bed. However, one night per week, he has a sleepover at his nan's house and she likes to co-sleep with him throughout the night. Tracy would like to know if the sleepovers need to stop before implementing strategies from the Sombal program for toddlers or if there are certain strategies Nan could work on. Oh, Nan, we love you, Nan. Yeah, You're a we good love Nan. You. Oh, <laughs> yes. I wish I'd had a Nan yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. Can, can we send our kids to your yeah. Nan's house? <laughs> 
Well, she'd take uh, a few extras. <laughs> yeah, and Tracy, just do, just keep it, keep it up, keep up those sleepovers. It's beautiful yes, for your stop. three and a half year old to have that um, relationship building uh, and that time with her nan. So um, you don't need mm. to stop the sleepovers um, if your if um, nan wants to carry on co sleeping with the three and a half year old. Um, at the sleepovers that's okay children very um quickly learn that different things happen regarding sleep in different places so absolutely um, much like with childcare, you know often they can self-settle fine at childcare, but at home they want something different so Yeah. yeah they they will adapt and that will be okay um and we just had some really lovely feedback. So Jess um, told us that after speeding through the, f- the four to 12 month program in about a day, which is very impressive, um, <laughs> and two weeks of tracking sleep in the diary, she said, I began to understand that my little alert kiddo was not needing as much sleep as I had been led to believe. Oh, that's so relevant to this <laughs> whole episode. Yeah, it is. Um, and she learned that short naps were actually okay. She said, we worked on cot settling with your patting technique and quickly moved away from having to rock her all the way to sleep. She's now six months old. I am far less stressed about her sleep and feel more adaptable when something in the daily rhythm changes. Awesome work, Jess. Well done. That's fantastic. Yeah. And Tracy also had feedback. She said, I wanted to thank you for the Sunbell program for babies four to 12 months. This program has really given me a lot more confidence in understanding my baby's unique sleep needs to support him in settling in his cot, so much so that I have also joined the Sombell Toddlers Program for when he becomes a toddler. Hmm. Thank you both so much for all the support and guidance you've provided in the Sombell programs, on social media and the podcast. And Tracy said, I've been listening to the podcast episodes on repeat so that I am better equipped to support my family's sleep and well-being. Aww. I love that. I can't believe yeah. anyone would want to listen to us on repeat, but I love it. If it helps, it helps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, really lovely feedback. Thanks so much, uh, Tracy yeah. and Jess. That's, uh, we love to hear from families um, uh, about uh, what it's like on the other side. And I think that, well, yeah. I know that parents also love to um here if they're just starting on the sombell journey there's that awful word again but if they're just starting on the sombell <laughs> journey know that you will get to the other side um and soon you'll be yeah. sending us your feedback telling us how it's helped you and how your life has turned around once you and your baby or toddler are getting better sleep yeah absolutely so if you want a little bit of help with your baby or your toddler's sleep um, the Sombell programs are super thorough and we really guide you through with the video lessons and and help you work out um, you know what your your best steps are so if you're needing help it's a really good one-stop shop for everything sensible when it comes to baby sleep um, and toddler's sleep and settling um, and also there's programs, you know, as of today, when we're recording, they have 20% off. So if you want to mm. bag yourself a bargain, it's a good time to do it. Um, and then that means that next week you could be submitting your own questions and getting your own support from us as well. Um, so thanks so much, everybody, for listening in. Have a fantastic week and you'll hear from us next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.